0: Episode 359 of Mr. Michael Swanson, author of War State, which I always I always knew about the military industrial complex. And obviously, I you know anyone anyone with a pulse has uh, should at least have paid attention to Eisenhower's speech and heard it before. But the overwhelming Power of it and the influence it has over both, or I guess you know, I would say most importantly, the Soviet Union and the United States, to where, you know, it wasn't really until the last year or so that I had learned of Kennedy's fear of uh, a military coup during the Cuban Missile Crisis. I would always heard, um, you know, the is Khrushchev really in charge, but. It wasn't until learning about Kennedy's own fear of military coup, especially in um in um uh, the book about James Jesus Angleton called ghost and both of these it's starting to it's start it's starting to sort of paint an image now of both of these heads were they really in charge? I know I've been talking for 90 seconds, sir, and I haven't let you say a word. So how about you introduce yourself, sir?
1: Yeah, no, I'm curious. Uh, but as you said, uh, my name is Mike Swanson, I wrote this book, uh, The War State, which, which you're talking about. It's about uh, the military industrial complex in uh, the rise of America as a global superpower after World War Two. Um, and my dad, he was in the service for 20 years as a colonel and he worked in the pentagon for a short amount of time as a child i was when i was real young i lived on a few military bases Mm -hmm. my grandfather was in world war ii and when i wrote this book one of the things i was thinking about in the back of my mind was my both my parents were born in the 40s at the moment uh, as the uh, world war ii was ending and the cold war was beginning when all this was really starting this type of history uh, when it comes to america becoming a global superpower this military industrial complex and so for the kennedy as president those events that you mentioned the cuban missile crisis and uh his his worries there uh they were at the height Mm -hmm. of the cold war Um, so so it was a unique moment in fact the most dangerous moments perhaps in all of human history the Cuban uh, missile crisis but I was thinking that uh, that I'm as being a child of my parents and and a grandchild of my grandfather uh, that perhaps in my lifetime this system that started uh, back then may come to an end or, or change but you know i don't not necessarily saying that's happening now i wrote this <laughs> 10 uh, 10 years ago so uh but that was what i was one of the things i was thinking the perspective of time mm-hmm. and now you know so many people uh if you're under 20 you, you don't you have no memory of nine eleven, mm-hmm. And the iraq war and afghanistan War. the start started, those wars those were big events in my lifetime mm-hmm. And so is nine eleven, and you know, the Cuban Missile Crisis goes back even farther than that. So, these are all events that have built up, built up, uh, underpinned the current moment that we're in. Mm-hmm. I remember,
0: um, have you ever listened to any, uh, Dan Carlin Hardcore History?
1: No, what's What's his, what's his uh, he, take on
0: this? He's a uh... I heard him recommend. I mean, years ago through Joe Rogan and I finally listened to some of his work. Um, he has a great series about world war one called blueprints for Armageddon. But, um, I do remember listening to him on Joe Rogan a couple of years ago and they actually brought him in to the Pentagon right before the, I think the invasion of Iraq. And he, he was all flattered because he was like, Oh, they're bringing in a historian. They want to know about the history. And he says in hindsight, he was like, I think, uh, I think it was more so just like a uh, now they could like technically say they brought in a historian for like cultural importance so when we go bulldoze everything we can be like well but that's not the point the point is is he was like he was sitting there listening to like um, like Mattis talking to obviously he wasn't sec deaf then but he still a general and he was talking to I mean it might have been Petraeus it might have been Robert Gates at the time um, Secretary of Defense under George Bush and he said the first part of like the meeting was it was just you know what would it you know what would it be what would the invasion be like and this wasn't any like top secret thing this was like being openly discussed but he said he always remembers like the second part of the discussion and they started talking about like well what will we do like how will we like arm our allies around them what companies will we use to provide them with tanks armored personnel vehicles jets what are the supply lines for the pieces to repair those jets? And he was like, I was listening to like the true to form, like the military industrial complex, like, all right, who's gonna, who's gonna outfit this. Right. It's like, we're going to put on a concert. It's like, all right, well, who's getting the contract? Coca-Cola is going to provide the refreshments. McDonald's is going to, and he was like, and I was watching that. And I, I don't know, thinking about that recently and I'm with you in your, your book, which, everyone listening one of my new favorite books I say that with almost every author and I mean it but it truly is and I'll put it in the description sticking in the top comment it's a great audible listen but I've been thinking of it more and I'm with you in that generally I think for lack of a better term the whole thing's kind of fucked and and evil but for the sake of argument I'll try to look at it in a positive light I was thinking is this just a, a bit of a stretch is this just a tactic is this a new warfare tactic in that the way to you know you could argue did we beat the soviets not with military might by by going to the moon and then making them drain their bank accounts trying to do it is a new tactic to provide weapons to the world that you create the replacement pieces for if at any point one of those nations turns on you, you cut off the supply line. I'm not saying I agree with it. I'm just trying to think of it from the minds of the power elite. Do you think that's a vi- – and this is obviously all speculation. There's no right or wrong answer. Do you think there's any viability to that?
1: Well, it, when the Cold War started, it, it was primarily the United States and the – Soviet in the 50s. It was the United States and the Soviet Union that were competing with each other, Uh not just in europe but throughout the entire world um to control the so-called third world to have influence in these countries so for example in africa there uh, um, there are a couple countries that would say okay america we want you to help us build a dam or uh, sell us some weapons or something and then they would also say the same thing to, to the Soviet 70s. Union yeah. and, and play the sides off one another. And now we have China in this game, too. Belt
0: and Road Initiative.
1: Yeah, with their Belt and Road Initiative, exactly. So the, the thing is, it's not just that the United States can you know, sell the people the weapons and then make the weapons turn off or not sell them anymore. Um, you can do this with currency, with a debt also. Mm-hmm. Uh, the global bank can lend uh, countries money and then stop lending the money and put them in financial hardship. In fact, uh, this has happened, it happened. Uh, we tried to do that in Cuba against Castro. We did it in Chile in the 1970s, but today it's becoming harder to do this sort of thing because China and Russia are in the United, are more economically powerful, particularly China, than they were decades previous. So there's competition now that wasn't there. We're not really in a world where the United States can really successfully dictate things mm-hmm. like we could have in the past. And the failures in Iraq and the Middle East, I believe, are an uh, example of that, but so is the, you know, we try to put sanctions on Russia, we've done it in Iran, we're doing it uh, in, the, what's the country, um, Bolivia, and uh, the one Chavez is in. Um, um,
0: Venezuela? Venezuela.
1: Venezuela, yeah, yeah, and, and so forth, and what one of the things this is doing is making these countries work together. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, find other ways to do international trade, so it's harder and harder for us to, to manage this uh, you know, unilaterally, as it was. So I think that, that and this is probably just going to continue, mm-hmm. this sort of trend where it really won't be the U.S. so powerful, but China is rising, and and so forth.
0: Do you think that we are on the way if it hasn't already begun to a Cold War II Well, it, it,
1: there's definitely signs of it. I mean, obviously the Trump administration, mm-hmm. he talked about, you know, he raised tariffs. He raised tariffs against China. Basically had a trade war, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And now at the very beginning of the Biden administration, he gave a speech, uh, called, basically saying that China is a strategic threat. Uh, just this morning, there was a story saying that the navy had run a couple ships through the South, South China, China Sea. sea. Yeah, that, that was this morning. So there, you can see evidence I that.
0: Didn't, sorry, I didn't see that.
1: Yeah, yeah, oh, I, I just saw the headline. Oh no! Uh, so, but but this this these things have happened. Uh, you know, this has been a story that appears every once in a while. But uh, since uh, the Cold War ended, there were this is long forgotten, but there was a period of time before we had the first Gulf War, for about two years there, where it wasn't certain what the future of the military industrial complex would be. Did we need it? the budget was cut a little bit when clinton came in actually uh but there wasn't a clear strategic objective anymore once the Berlin wall fell who's our new enemy and there was some like uh ideas floated as potential things to do uh, one of them was let's have drug wars there's all these Drug kingpins in Colombia, and we can you know, make this a big thing to do now, and that, that kind of faded away though, once the, uh, the, the the first Gulf War happened, and then uh, and then that kind of drifted that, that once that war ended, there was a drift. Clinton got in office, uh, as I said, the budget was cut. Then 911 came, so international te- the fighting terrorism became the thing to center national strategic policy on and the military industrial complex and mm-hmm. all that stuff and then that kind of started to go by the wayside and now uh, when trump was president uh his national security advisor mcmaster when he was still there he issued a document on behalf of the trump administration detailing that you know what our share of policies be about and he listed strategic competition by nation states china and russia primarily as the main things to focus on um so is that a new cold war i mean there's cold war language around it but i don't think we can go i don't think we're going to go back to the height of the cold war the way that was where we've had very little trade in the soviet union uh very few americans went over there vice versa and uh it really defined everything in society uh in the 50s and early 60s Uh, i don't think we're going to Go to that situation, more like a tension. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, and I certainly hope it doesn't get worse. And it's unclear to me that we really have a policy of that will lead to victory or success, whatever, however that's defined. Because it seems, as to me at least, that the trade war hasn't really hasn't been successful. China's trade has increased, ours has shrunk over the past couple of years. I don't, I'm not try, trying to cast blame sure. on anyone for that. Uh, and, and, and and so far the Biden administration um, in its speech <laughs> given and a little action today or, yet, or yesterday, uh, I read about this morning, you know, they're focused on military, uh, you know, the, the military, you're building weapons, the Navy wants more ships. And I don't know if that's going to do anything you know, I think the competition is an economic competition. And, um, and that's one that, um, you know, you got to compete in the marketplace and in a more free market is is my view, with better products, Mm -hmm. and and so forth. And, and tariffs, I don't think necessarily accomplish that. And just making more Navy boats. Yeah, it doesn't make seem to do much either to me. In fact, I got it in the downstairs somewhere. There's a real interesting book I read a couple months ago. Uh, I can't remember the title of it, but it was written by a guy that was uh, George Bush's an assistant national security advisor in his administration, whose job was to make policy about China, Japan, the whole East Asia, and is a history of how we dealt with these areas of the world and he was saying that historically the u.s would focus either on japan or china as an ally to kind of balance the other one out uh and then uh but we had always had a notion that we never wanted to have a land war in china (laughs) or against asia because they just have so many people yeah and every time we did it in korea we had a stalemate uh, and in Vietnam, I would argue we didn't win, we lost. They, mm-hmm. they, The North Vietnamese, you know, they won, they're still there, we're not. Yeah. Uh, so how do we deal with these places of the world? And um, it, it seems like historically the best policy has been some sort of trade and then uh, play the countries off each other in a balance of power, which is what England did in Europe before or before World War I. Um, so that's what I would advocate, but I'm not the one in charge. And there's a lot of vested interest in producing these naval boats. You get more admirals to command them and it does provide jobs. And and if you combine the people in the military and the people working to make the military products, you got the, the highest, uh, the number one employer in the country. Walmart is second. So
0: man that just got me thinking you know it's like uh, you know it's like I I I love conspiracy theories and I've said that to anyone that's ever listened to this podcast I don't believe them most of them I don't I just appreciate them for instead of Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings right that's fiction and then you know reality is stranger than fiction I always look at conspiracies as spiced up reality so it's the ultimate stranger than fiction that being said, just now thinking, they've just seeded the thought in my mind. Is so like the conspiracy of like COVID, right? It's an asymmetrical weapon from China, but not even that. The whole idea. Behind-
1: Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone, for and up, like delicious lolly Focus Pops or lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease.
0: I like the great reset is that it's this thing that's supposed to wipe out all like Main Street business and thus force us all to work for one of the mega corporations or be dependent on government stimulus checks. Sort of force your, where you get your, where you get your, you know, how you put dinner on the table but I was thinking like what if what if it's by design that we're destroying Main Street America so that the only way we move forward is to build an army the only thing that America can do profitable, profitably is to invade and thus we are now all intrinsic because it used to be right you had to have a Gulf of Tonkin or a, a 9-11 to go rile up the nation what if you screw everyone out of a job to the point where we're all dependent on defense contractors and it's just like hey now we're all foaming at the mouth to invade that's far out there I just made it up as I <laughs> as I went along but man it doesn't it it, you know it's definitely well, this one analogy I always use is this is like so I've had on guys on this podcast from Delta Force who I, I've become friends with if I took out let's say it's you know, I took out a big loan from a loan shark down the street or something, right? And he's got his he's got his goons, or whatever, small town criminal. And I take out a I you know, a hundred thousand dollars from him and it's at a ninety percent interest rate and I have a month to pay it back. If I use that hundred thousand dollars to hire these Delta Force guys who are better than anyone in the world, how is that loan shark gonna send his muscle men to collect his hundred thousand dollars? Where's my money? Uh, I spent it on these Delta Force guys. Well, I'm going to make you pay now. Oh, are you? Like, I have this tier one team around me. And you mentioned at the end of your book that the spiraling debt. And I began... Uh, one thing I've been thinking for a while, and I've talked about it before this podcast, is who... You know, if, if we're $27 trillion in debt, who's going to collect it when we have... Where's the money? Oh, sorry, we used it building... All these aircraft carriers, nuclear bomb bombers, satellites, a space force. Well, we're going to collect our debt. Y- you and what army? Is is our debt? Is there never? Do you think there, there's perhaps no? I don't know where I'm going with all this. I'm going off the rails. Do you think that's by design? Is it's like that saying? If I owe you a million dollars, I'm screwed. If I owe you a billion dollars, I'm screwed. Do you think there's any logic to that? who's going to collect the debt
1: well um well right now i mean the debt's gotten so big that the government the federal reserve and the government itself is actually now printing money to finance a lot of it itself so they're not going to collect it right because they're they're just they're just buying their own debt, right? You know, fifteen about 15 years ago, China was financing half of it, and they still hold a lot of that debt that they bought, but they've paired back their purchases because the debt got so big, they don't even have the money to finance all of it. It was 500 billion around. Um, oh, Jesus. Around, you oh, know, like no. remember 10 years ago, it was 500 billion. Now oh, no. it's, I don't even know what it is. 27 trillion. Well, I mean, uh, the, the the deficit, of oh, Okay. The deficit was 500 billion okay. uh, before 2008, and now it's—I know it's over a trillion, uh, maybe two trillion now. <laughs> I've lost track because of everything going on. Yeah. They keep putting more spending bills, right? Yeah. So they—you know—China doesn't have enough money to finance that, so the government's financing it. It's been doing it for for several years now, and they're not going to collect on themselves. So the real danger isn't that someone's going to say, I want all the money that you owe us. It's that they're gonna say, you're never gonna pay us. You can't, it's gotten so big. So you're making our debt worth less than it was when we bought it. So it falls in value. And and then the dollar goes in value on the global market, you know, because international, it trades internationally you know, there's a foreign exchange rate for the, the, the yuan, the you know, the, the yen and the mm-hmm. Swiss franc and all these currencies, and they're slowly going up in value against the US dollar. So that's the real danger is that the dollar goes continues to go down and you know, against these other currencies. And if it's slow enough, you would never even notice it. Yeah. But if it sped up then then it would cause inflation and problems like that.
0: Yeah and again it's but who has like the big stick and this is not entirely it's not what i believe but it's just it's kind of a thought experiment i've been playing with myself is again you know what if i can print money and i'm in this cul-de-sac of houses and i know that you know there are hard like societies can collapse let's just say that this that this cul-de-sac exists in a vacuum there's no other world outside of it I'm going to start going to these neighboring houses and be like, how much do you want for that case of water in your garage? Oh, it was five bucks at Walmart. I'll give you ten. Okay. And I'm going to start doing this and doing this and doing this. I'm going to buy up all of their stuff. I'm going to buy all of their ammo. I'm going to start putting, you know, metal walls in. I'm going to build a garrison. By the time they start to go, man, you're just throwing thousands of dollars at us for, like, every
1: battery and Band-Aid.
0: Well, once they've all realized that it's it's a charade, at that moment, I've already amassed all of the weapons. The facade falls, and now I'm like, okay, well, now give it to me. You know, loaded gun, give it to me. Society's collapsed. I want your food. Is that part of the charade? We're going to keep getting money from these people until finally they say, America, you're not going to pay up. Okay, well then like the mask is going to fall off and it's like now we're good, just going to take it. And again, this is a it's a very dark view of the world, but I mean in terms of I mean in terms of global power, in terms of I mean, you know, the the oldest quest of mankind to be in control. Alexander the Great, Genghis Khan, I mean, the Hitler tried, right? It's the Soviet Union, it's not China and the US. I don't think anything's off the table. And I mean, shit. Eventually, would it not be we built the biggest army, and now it's like, and you financed it. So when they say we're not we're not giving you any more money, well, now we just roll in with ten aircraft carriers. It's I don't know, or does the rest of the world team up against us? It's it's you know the reserve currency is it backed by gold? Is it? I look at it as like, is it backed by the largest military that's that's ever existed? I I, I don't know. Part of me thinks that we are on a decline of American power. Worse than ever before. Part of me thinks it's stronger than ever before. And I really can't find any gray area in between.
1: Well, on one hand, we have thousands of nuclear missiles. Yeah. And we have them, we also have, I don't know, know off the top of my head how many of these are in submarines Mm -hmm. under the ocean that that are pretty much invulnerable in china from what i understand doesn't have but a few nuclear missiles that can even reach california yeah you know the soviets do obviously i mean the russians (laughs) the The russians obviously left over from what they were the soviets uh so so there's you know they they could hit us but the chinese really can't but how do you win you know to win a a war where we say okay we're not going to pay you we're going to invade you you know I, I don't think we no one's won a war like that since world war ii yeah uh, really so i don't even know if wars like that can even be fought um because even in Iraq, we invaded Iraq, we won. Uh, but what did we win? That's yeah. that's the problem. Yeah. If you do invade someone and you win, what do you really win? You, you win turmoil and people. Yeah, they're going to be guerrillas on you, and you know. So we really can't just take what we want from the rest of the world. More likely, if there was a scenario where we just okay, we're just not going to pay, it wouldn't be that the U.S. then launches wars on everyone. But everyone else would just say, okay, we're not going to give you nothing then. Mm-hmm. And people would just retreat. Yeah. Nations would just retreat inward into themselves, or you'd have like regional trade. And then after that, you'd probably have regional like trading blocks for. Yeah. Of-
0: yeah. Or, or is it we stop defending international shipping lanes? And it's like, are you sure you want to stop trading with us? You know, is whatever it is, it's. I don't think anything's off the table. And I, you know, just like you talk about the just the entrenched power structure that is really pretty indifferent to whoever's in office, right? It's, they're gonna do whatever they're gonna do. The military industrial complex is, it's a beast that moves along. It seems like the idea that money is gonna take it down I, like I almost imagine these guys in the big war room like Dr. Strangelove and they're just laughing because it's like look at look at Tommy and Mike and they're worried about oh, the American dollar and they're like they don't understand raw power like real politic part of me thinks is like you have these generals just like 27 that means nothing real power is an Abrams tank or a B2 bomber it's Space Force it's the NSA it's I don't know it's Regardless, it's it's terrifying. <laughs> it's absolutely terrifying. And it's um one thing and I, I had to bring this up, every once in a while I I find like something new in each book I read that really sticks out to me. Um most recently is a book called Original Gangsters, and it's about uh NWA and straight out of Compton. The fun fact I got from that was that uh, George H.W. Bush actually lived in Compton for two years, right after World oh, War Oh, really? Right after World War II. Yeah, President Bush. Okay. Because okay. all the soldiers came back from the Pacific and there were defense contractors uh, and it was
1: easy. California was booming. Yep, yep.
0: GI Bill. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so George H.W. Bush lived in Compton.
1: That's funny.
0: Yeah. Another one is from uh, Norman Oler, the author of Blitzed. Hitler used to do. He would go up to one of his castles in the mountains with Ava Braun, and he would do... Uh, he would take Yucadal, which is uh, like Vicodin, and uh, he would do impressions of World War One machine guns to Ava Braun, which if you actually stop and think about it, that means Hitler, high on painkillers, was doing... Buh- 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 buh, which to me is just the most absurd image ever. With your book, <laughs> is... You have Kennedy, and I, you know, I knew all about the Whiz Kids, and you know, they're all they're, you know, trying to break it down into. They bring in McNamara from Ford, and it's all about can we sort of workshop all of these problems? Whether or not it worked is, I guess, still up for debate. But it's him going, pointing to, talking to someone on Air Force One, and he's pointing to somebody who's asleep, one of his aides secretaries, and saying, "You see Bob over there? If I woke up Bob and told him to jump out of the plane for me, he'd do it. Like that's loyalty." And I'll, you know, okay, whatever. But then the next line, <laughs> say all of this to build up to this. If I chopped off or if I sawed off Jackie's head and brought it into the Oval Office, one of my secretaries would go get a box and not even ask a question that's the weirdest thing I think I've ever heard about Kennedy I was like it's just it's this handsome playboy it's all about you know peace not just in our time but all time not just for Americans but for all men you know I am a Berliner if I sawed off Jackie's head it was like what the hell like play that back what the hell did you just say <laughs> I've just been thinking about that like who that what <laughs> it's just the odd like geez man like take it down a step <laughs> I sawed off Jackie's head, sorry, there's really no purpose to that. I just had to. break oh, it no, I,
1: it's funny, I, I forgot all about that. I mean, I broke that over you know, ten years ago, so I don't now. I, I remember it. Yeah, it's, it's funny. That's what yeah, when I when I write these things, I try to find. Yeah, yeah. You know, I read some. I read that somewhere, and I was like, "Well, that's funny," you know. I, yeah. Like, how can you forget that? Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah. I mean, there's always things like, you know, quotes I've heard before. It's in your book. I've heard it in like several Cold War yeah. books. You know, Curtis LeMay talking, I can't, you're yeah. in a real fix right now. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. What did you just say? I've heard that in books. I've never heard that about JFK talking about Jackie. I was like, what the hell? (laughs) I thought that was hilarious. Um, But oh shit, what was I going to say? I just lost my my train of thought but um so where do you see it eventually going and only i've only got you for a couple more minutes where do you see it what is what are your predictions for is the american empire in decline uh are we going to fight china is um is there any hope to get out of the military industrial complex is it the is this just the natural system is does would if you ran the simulation of earth a million times would you find that it eventually runs to like two power centers based upon war is do you have any insight on any opinion on it on to where it it, where it's going
1: well there's a book i didn't quote it in here um it's called Report from Iron Mountain. It is written as a, it's actually a parody, but it was written, in, I think, 65, and it basically says if we did away with it says it makes the argument that we need the military industrial complex for the economy, and because without it, the United States would have no purpose. So so we have to so the only way we could get rid of it is if we had an alternative purpose for everyone to rally around and one could argue that's just how human society has been ever since it started right i think you're right so i think that's a big component of it um and i don't think it's gonna collapse or go away i do think it could get smaller than it is right now we could pull back or retrench a little bit. I mean, in a certain way that's happened, and when Trump from when Obama came in office you know, we, there was a drawdown of the number of people that were in Iraq and Afghanistan and and um, Trump tried to continue that in Afghanistan they're still there though so in a certain sense there is a little bit of retrenchment. There's fewer people in the military than there was 10 years ago but the defense budget is not shrunk, it's increasing so you know and that i think is due to economics and the power of the lobbyists and so forth but that could change you know if the country has to cut its budget at some point i think it will then that will just happen so i don't think china is you know gonna i don't think we're gonna have a war of china uh i don't know where the next war will really even be uh, Honestly, honestly you know certainly any sort of size so i think the most likely Scenario is that other countries over the next 10 or 20 years will kind of increase in their power relative to ours. doesn't mean ours has to collapse, but theirs will just increase a little bit. Mm -hmm. China, the most obvious example, but I think also the Europeans, the European Union could, you know, increase in power if their economy got straightened out. Um, Britain is, is sitting there they used to be the most powerful country in the world, but they're, they're just kind of sitting there. There's
0: like a token country.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But they used to be where we are. Yeah. uh, Supposedly. So I just, I think that's more the continuation of what has been going on the last 15 years is probably the most likely. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh,
0: it almost, I've kind of had this on my own theory of like, uh, you know, it's almost like a like a like a backwind. Is that the right word? Tailwind on I mean, a flight. Yeah. You know, really strong winds will push you forward faster. But you know, if it's too dangerous, it'll just break apart the plane. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've I've heard the argument that without the Cold War and Space Race, right now in 2021 we would be at 2001 technology. So like, in the next year or two, we would be getting like the click wheel iPod. But instead, from like trickle-down technology, we are where we are. I've been looking at it like, is, the cold, is, is a Cold War actually humanity's finest invention to create an environment for hyper-progress? The downside is, is, if you go too far, it goes hot, and then there's no coming back. You go back to the Stone Age. But if you can keep it, keep it cold... Um, humanity makes leaps and bounds forward with you know from the space race to microelectronics to transistors is it is it actually the most like you know it's like how we set up like oak ridge tennessee and los alamos two labs just for competition healthy competition they thought would 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 would, who could make like the smaller hydrogen bomb was basically the argument is a cold war actually like the most you know right now we see elon musk trying to get to mars the single best thing for the space race would be if China landed a man on Mars tomorrow. That would be the single best thing that could happen because we would be like, oh, hell no. We have to do it. Is being at each other's throats actually a way to jump technology forward? It's it's a dangerous gamble. Is it that? Or, or is no one in charge? Is This perception that someone's in charge and there's a power elite, is the reality you get up to those upper echelons you talk to other generals, you know, in the Pentagon, and they're like, "Dude, no one's running this thing. It's just a shit show. No one knows what's going on." The president, well, least but of
1: both all. of the, thing, yeah, every everything. I would say probably everything you've just said is true. <laughs> oh no, all of it. Oh that, no, that, that you do have the elites. You do have you do have the, the you know this is does create benefits uh, in society. The technologies, as you mentioned, and you do have these elites that are there more, you know, but they're not fully in control. However, I do think some of them have tried to control it. That's what I think the, the Kennedy story is okay. actually about that he tried to control the cold war and all, the, all these, you know, militaristic forces of for lack of a better word at the height of the cold war and McNamara, I'm now working on Vietnam um, he, I, you know, I believe that that's what he was trying to do with the Vietnam war, try to control mm-hmm. how much the war would escalate and mm-hmm. manage it and all this kind of stuff. And we end up losing. Um, so I think some of them try to do this sort of thing. Um, but it's, but I don't think anyone is completely in control you know like they can write a plan out and have it executed 10 years down the road but there are going to be conspiracies and things that do happen from time to time it's just also human nature I mean even in a city I don't know where you live but you know there's going to be uh, conspiracies in the yeah. sense of just—is this people getting together to yeah. want to make a new business or, yeah. cr- or street thugs? Yeah. Someone trying to take control of the drug trade uh, from time to time. Then they'll fall, and someone else will do it, and you know, and then so forth. And you might have, you know, crooked courts or lawyers or judges or whatever, or police or who knows what. You know, so these things—it's just the way things are. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I've had this idea for a while that whoever's in charge doesn't actually know they're in charge, right? It's like a it's like a video game map. If you're out there and you're playing against a bunch of up, up against the computer, you don't unless unless the unless you have it so the game tells you you don't know when you've killed the last enemy. Like you might be walking around the map for three right. hours before you realize I don't think there's anyone left. <laughs> you're like, oh, I got everybody whoever's in charge might not know they're in charge it might be so compartmentalized so many levels of smoke and mirrors so much betrayal so much entrenchment that whoever's actually in charge might have no idea they're in charge <laughs> like you know you've been running a marathon for so long you don't know if you're in first you might be in first you might be in last Right. I think whoever's in charge probably has no idea they're in charge They're like they're like Yeah. They're on the defensive, little do they know, like they are at the peak. And there's no Mm -hmm. way to know because if you try to confirm with anybody else, that would risk your position. Right. Yeah, it's I don't know, it's just no one's in charge. Maybe that's the whole you get to that level and that's the true terror. (laughs) You get up there, you go, No one's running. Yeah, Yeah. No one's running this thing. We really are just on a rock flying around a star and it's just chaos. Maybe that's the real conspiracy, I don't know.
1: Yeah, yeah sure. That's something you to <laughs> yeah, gonna make me think about now, you know think about that thought. <laughs> yeah. Well
0: I've kept you ten minutes longer than I said I would. So Mr. Oh, Mike, Mr Mike friends, and thank you so much for coming on. And you've already put out your book about Vietnam, correct?
1: yeah it's they can find it on amazon they just type why the vietnam war question mark it'll come up
0: i would uh i'll send you an email i would love to i'll grab that book i would love to have you on and chat about that yeah sure you're you're a great author man i thank you i've I've said this i say this to authors i have on i have something like 1100 audiobooks not all of them are good (laughs) (laughs) i only have this is my podcast it's just me it's a one-man show i only have on authors i want to have on so for whatever it's worth i like your writing a yeah, lot I a, it. a lot of people aren't good yours is i listened to it front to back left a review it's great yeah. for everybody listening i highly recommend it if you like any of the cold war stuff i talk about it. this is right up your alley be in the description stick it in the top comment thank you so much sir i'll put your website as well in and um i'll link the vietnam book and i'll send you an email i'd love to talk to you about that Oh, sure. Yeah. Look forward to it. All right, my man. Yes, yes, sir. God bless. And thank you so much for coming on. Oh, you too. Thank you, man.